Hi, you are listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. You will be hearing a sermon from Pastor Jared Aron. So without further ado, here he is. I'll have to say it made me very happy to hear the conversations, the smiles, uh, for us to truly be more of a community together this morning. I want to read the passage I'll be preaching from. It's Galatians chapter 5. So if you have a Bible, you have your phone, feel free to turn there. It's starting in verse 16. It says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And then jumping down to verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. This morning, we're going to continue on in our marriage sermon series. And like the other pastors, I want to acknowledge up front, for those of you who are not married, we know these sermons might be difficult to hear. And that it would be easy to check out So I hope you know we are very mindful of you and we're not oblivious to the struggle this might be. But I just want to encourage you um, that marriage might be in your future or any of the principles of these messages apply to any relationship, a friendship, a family member, how we do life together in community. So I just want to encourage everyone to stay engaged and pay attention to what God might be saying to you this morning. I believe God has you here this morning for a reason. You know, now that I'm a little bit older, not as old as Pastor Dave or Pastor Frank, I always have to put that in there, I realize how naive my expectations about life and marriage were when I was younger. When I was younger, I expected life and marriage to be like this chart. Up and to the right. Everything is moving towards progress. Everything is getting better and easier. For example, I want my bank account to go from less money to more money. We all can agree with that. Up and to the right. I want my health and fitness to go from less fit, less healthy, to more fit, more healthy, up and to the right. I want my kids to thrive and not struggle in this life. I want them to experience life as up and to the right. And I want my marriage to always be happy, always be pain-free, to experience peace and love and joy without any challenges whatsoever up and to the right. Closer? Okay. Sorry, guys. 
Hold the mic closer. Okay, yep. Hear me now? We're good? Okay. So up and to the right. I am becoming more convinced that life just does not work this way. Life is not up and to the right. The image that keeps coming to my mind when I think about life is that of a roller coaster. Life is full of twists and turns, ups and downs, incredible joys and real fear and pain. On this side of heaven, there are going to be deep valleys, very difficult moments or seasons where you don't know if you can make it another day. And there are going to be those mountaintop moments or seasons where everything is just going so well. And you just want to hit the pause button on life and stay in that moment for a very long time. In 10 days, Yvonne and I will celebrate 13 years of marriage. Where is Yvonne? I don't even know. I've been so disconnected today. We make it a priority each year to celebrate and to mark the moments that every year is a gift together. After 13 years, I believe our love for one another is stronger and deeper. We've always talked about growing old together, and it's becoming more of a reality after every passing year. And I'm so deeply thankful for Yvonne and the marriage that God has given us, the many joys and blessings that we have shared together. And I believe I can speak for her on this. This is the and yet. I think both of us thought this marriage thing would be a whole lot easier than it is. Marriage is hard work. After 13 years, I thought as a husband I would have more of this figured out. Don't get me wrong, we've learned a lot over the years, especially through the trials and the challenges But marriage isn't a nice and easy up into the right chart, but more like a wild roller coaster filled with unknowns. And it's not just speaking about the two people involved in a marriage. Life is filled with unknowns. You have health issues. You have parents whose health is failing. There's different circumstances that put pressure on a marriage relationship. And here's the thing I believe God is teaching me and wants to teach us through this roller coaster ride. Life and people in your marriage are constantly changing. It is never static. It is never the same. It will always be different. Your marriage relationship will be affected by the different circumstances of life, and it will create a dynamic relationship that is always evolving always moving. And here's the question. If your marriage is constantly moving, where is it moving towards? And who or what is actually leading your marriage? It can be so easy for a marriage relationship to drift and move towards places of disconnection and stagnancy. Without intention and purpose, And without God, 
your relationship will easily move away from God's intent for intimacy and oneness. This morning, we're going to look at this passage from Galatians 5. And it's not a text that's specifically focused on marriage. But I want to, I want to take some of the main principles of this text and apply it to our marriage relationships. And I believe this text will help us understand why marriage is often a roller coaster ride and how God wants to show up in our marriages. And the first point I want to make is our marriages reveal the battle between the sinful nature and the spirit. This isn't going to be the fun part of the message. Our marriages reveal the battle between the sinful nature, the self, and the spirit of God who is at work in you. I just want to encourage you through this first point. Do not be thinking about your spouse if you're married. But hold up the mirror to yourself and think about your own life. Verse 16 says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit. The Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. The text is saying here, there is an irreconcilable conflict between ourself our flesh, our selfishness, and the Spirit of God who is at work in us as believers. The sinful nature and the Spirit cannot coexist and get along with one another. They are forever opposed to each other. A couple years ago, we got a family pet, and we wanted to start very small, and we've kept it very small, by design. So we got a single beta fish. And this is actually our third beta fish. It's hard to get a good picture of a fish in a tank. This is our third beta fish. Her name is Melody. And our other two have passed on. And the good news is our kids are learning the reality of death through our pets. But I'm not kidding you. Once a week, they'll look in on Melody and say, Mom, Dad, I think she's dying. They're so convinced she's going to die every single day. If you are familiar with beta fish, especially the males, they are territorial. They are fighting fish. You cannot put two male beta fish in a tank together because they will battle to the death. They cannot coexist with one another. This is what Paul is saying about the sinful nature and the spirit. They will always be opposed. They will always be in conflict. Verse 17 makes it very clear with the repetition. The sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit. And the spirit, what is contrary to the sinful nature, they are in conflict with each other. We have a sinful, selfish nature. I'm hoping that is obvious to all of you. If not, we're in big trouble. But I think the older you get, the more you realize. In our unredeemed nature, life revolves around me. Even though we are new creations in Christ, 
We will struggle and battle with the sinful nature until the day we die. Our hope with Christ is the battle will lessen over time as God transforms us to become more like Jesus. But at the end of the day, we can't be ruled by God and by ourselves. It's going to be one or the other. I love this quote by Dan Allender. It gets at the heart of this. We want the best of both worlds. God as our king and our will as the rule. Fortunately, no one can ride two horses for long. That's the truth of the matter. Either I am king or God is king. In a moment or a situation, you are following your own will and acting out of your own self-interest, or you are doing what God wants you to do. I think too often we want all the options on the table, but it just doesn't work that way. Your life will either be led by you or led by God. And over time, it will become obvious who is king of your life. And this conflict between who will rule, God or me, results in an ongoing battle in every single person on this planet that affects every single marriage. When you put two fallen, broken, wounded people together for life, you better believe there is going to be struggle and battles and trials. There's not a marriage on this planet that's free from disappointment, pain, and struggle. I don't think we talk often enough about how much of a battle that marriage can be. And yet too often when we do talk about it, we focus so much on the battle between husband and wife. But I think we need to first focus on the battle that rages within every single person. For each of us, we need to be mindful of the persistent temptation to rule our own lives and to look out for ourselves first. I want to give you an example of this from our own marriage. Uh, Last week was a little crazy for our family and especially for Yvonne. And one morning we were getting ready for work and school And I made a phone call to our TV provider because our local channels were out. I was trying to swoop in and and save the day, you know, that morning. The phone call went a lot longer than I anticipated. It finished about five minutes before Yvonne had to leave, and I saw on her face she was not happy with me. And rightfully so. She was completely justified. It wasn't the right time to make the phone call. It was my mistake. I'm taking ownership for that. And even though she was justified in being upset with me, the battle began to brew within my heart and my mind. And I want to invite you into the conversation that goes on in my head in these moments, and it's not pretty. This is a small example, but it's still not pretty. The first thing that usually happens is I will be appalled that after all I've done to love Yvonne over 13 years of marriage, that she she would ever have the audacity to be upset with me. 
So I make no allowance in our marriage for her to be displeased with me. And obviously it's not a logical thing, but that's often what the selfish, sinful nature does. It begins to wage war on your heart and your mind to look out for yourself. Second, I will then create a list of arguments and build my defense case. So if she's going to come after me with anything, I will be ready to defend myself logically and skillfully. Are any guys with me in this, man? Okay. And third, if the moment arises, I will make sure she clearly understands my argument and how she is now wrong in this discussion. Do you see how the conversation that runs in my head revolves around my own self-protection, my self-preservation, my self-justification? It becomes all about me. Pay attention to this right here. We really need to be mindful of those conversations that go on in our heads in these moments. Those strings of thoughts and how often they are coming from the selfish and sinful nature. And I love these, this verse from 2 Corinthians 10. I'll just read verse 5. This is a great memory verse. This is a great verse to meditate on. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. The battle between the self and the spirit often plays out in our minds. Our minds become a battleground where the enemy in our sinful nature wants to lead us astray and away from what God wants Pay attention to the battle that rages in your mind and learn to discern and put to death those things that are from the selfish nature and begin to invite Christ's rule over your thoughts by taking them captive and bringing them under the authority of Jesus. Again, this is the opportunity for us to really hold up the mirror to ourselves and to look at our own lives and see how, how often the sinful nature takes over and how it affects our marriage. So what does this battle between the self and the spirit look like for you? It's a question to think about throughout this week. Pay attention to when you're led astray. When those thoughts come in, they're very negative and harmful towards your spouse. In what ways do you live as a spouse for your own self-interest, self-protection, and self-focus? There's not a spouse here that is immune to this battle. This is all building towards the second point of the message. The battle against the self is too much for us to conquer on our own. Without the Holy Spirit's leadership and the help of God, our marriages will not become all that God wants them to be. So the second and final point this morning for us is our marriages reveal our desperate need for the Holy Spirit's leadership. Man, our marriages teach us how much we need God and we need God 
to lead us. I want to begin by looking at verse 18 for this point. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. I want to just zero in on that second part. You are not under the law. The whole context of Paul's letter to the church in Galatia centers around the issue of circumcision. False teachers were invading the believers and leading the people astray. They were saying that their faith Faith and grace were not enough to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That people needed more. They needed to be circumcised. They needed to follow all these Jewish laws and customs for their faith to be real and legitimate. Even in our relationship with God, we often want to create rules and formulas and checkboxes to to make it easier. Pray more. Read your Bible more. Serve more. Check. 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 Don't get me wrong. These are all good things. But you can read your Bible more. You can pray more. You can serve more without even having a relationship with Christ in the first place. Relationships are not built by checkboxes and formulas. For someone like myself, this is not an easy pill to swallow. Checkboxes and formulas make things a whole lot easier for me. If I could get Yvonne flowers once a week and that would guarantee me a great marriage, I would be all on that. It's easy. I can control it. I'm guaranteeing myself success. But we all know relationships don't work that way. We really need to let go of the idea that we can create a scientific formula to a great marriage. This all builds to this big idea. We desperately need God's help to build the kind of marriage he wants. We need to learn to follow the leader in our marriages and fully yield to the Holy Spirit. Verse 16, so I say walk by the Spirit." And you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Do you walk? Do you live by the leadership of the Holy Spirit? Or put another way, is it a priority for you to honor and follow God? If not, your marriage, I can guarantee, is already paying the price. And even if you say yes to this question, it does not guarantee that your marriage will not struggle. Verse 25 says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. If you want to honor and follow God in your marriage, God is here. He wants to direct and guide you along the way. God wants to lead you in every aspect of your life, including your marriage. He's not just a bystander as your life unfolds, but he wants to be intimately involved. I really believe we completely underestimate how involved God wants to be in the step-by-step, moment-by-moment, everydayness of our lives. Not only in his guidance and his direction, but how he wants to be in an interactive relationship and friendship with us. There's a call from this text that charges us to yield fully to the Holy Spirit 
and follow his lead. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Here's the thing, though. If your vision for your marriage is weak and less of what God wants, then of course you don't need God in your marriage. If you have settled for just being roommates or parents together, that's how high the bar goes for your marriage, and you are basically at an impoverished standard of living in God's eyes for your marriage. You don't need his help. You don't need his involvement. And your marriage will not reach the potential that God wants. But if you understand God's vision for marriage, for intimacy and oneness, in the midst of knowing someone else who is broken and weak, just like you are. Yet choosing to love, to give grace, and walk with them every single day of this life that you are given together, then you realize this is way too big for you. You can't do it on your own without God's leadership. Husbands, if you understand the call on your life is to love your wife sacrificially as Christ loves the church, do you understand what it's going to cost you as a man? The price that you are going to pay, such relentless, selfless, forgiving, gracious love. Men, to be able to do that, to love your wife like that, You can't do it without the Holy Spirit's power and leadership in your life. Wives, if you understand the call is to honor and respect your husband, even when we don't deserve it, we know that's very often, then you realize this is way too big for you. You can't honor and respect your husband as God is calling you to do without his help without his power. You can't do it on your own. You can't self-will it. You can't manufacture it. You desperately need, not once, but time and time again for the Holy Spirit to lead and to guide and to empower you. And this is where the good news comes in. In our weakness, in our neediness, we need to remember we have a God who is able, who is powerful, whose grace is sufficient for us. We need to hold on to these words that God gave Paul. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. God's grace is sufficient for you. God's power is made perfect in weakness. We have a God who has a plan for marriage, for your marriage. We have a God who wants to be involved step-by-step in leading your marriage. We have a God who's well aware of the struggles and the pains and the enemy and the selfish nature that's at work battling against you, leading you away from him. God is willing to come 
and help us in our neediness. He is strong when we are weak. When our marriage is in shambles and broken beyond human repair, we have a God who can restore and heal and bring hope because his grace is sufficient. His power is made perfect in our weakness. Will you come to the God who is able? And will you ask him to lead your marriage, to lead you as a spouse? Will you come to him in the midst of a conflict and come to God and say, God, I have no idea what to do right now. We are a mess. I don't know how to fix this. Please show me. I need you to lead me. Because if I'm left to myself, I will make things so much worse. In the midst of a decision together as a couple, to yield it to God and say, God, we don't see everything that you see. We don't know everything that you know. So we're going to yield this decision to you and ask you to open and close doors as you see fit. In a marriage that's broken and in despair, God, we have no other hope besides you. We need you to show up. We desperately need you to show up. Please come and lead us now. And even in a marriage that's going well, to say to God, God, thank you for the work you're doing in our marriage. Protect us from being complacent and taking you and one another for granted. Continue to give us your vision for marriage and lead us, God. We need to come to God honestly and humbly and yield to him with real and authentic prayers. As I wrap up, I want to just continue to remind us of the hope that we have with God. When God shows up and begins to work in a spouse or a marriage, we're going to see marriages that are truly transformed and exhibit the beauty and the glory of God and how desperate our world and our country is to see marriages centered in Christ following his lead. Our world is desperate to see marriages led by the Holy Spirit. And verse 22 and 23 gives us a picture of the beauty and glory of what a person's life and what a marriage yielded to God could look like. And if you grew up in church, you're very familiar with this list, the fruit of the Spirit. But as you read these qualities, don't you want these for your marriage? Don't you want these for yourself as a spouse? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Yvonne and I don't have a perfect marriage by any means. But I'm so thankful for the grace of God that's covered us for 13 years and how we've seen the evidence of his work through these qualities. It doesn't start with, I need to be a more loving person. I need to have more joy today. 
Why can't I just have more self-control? It doesn't start there. It starts with a spouse and a couple who is surrendered to God and whose life is yielded day in and day out to the Holy Spirit. Again, you can't manufacture these things. God is the one who bears these fruits in a person's life and in a marriage. My, my hope and prayer for us this morning is that we wouldn't be afraid of the roller coaster ride that marriage can often be. Marriage is a fantastic gift from our great God, an adventure of intimacy and growth and discovery and wonder. And God knows all the steps to your marriage journey already. He knows the ups and the downs, the joys and the challenges. And he wants to lead you to experience him amidst all the twists and turns that this life will throw at you. The invitation to us this morning is will we yield ourselves in our marriages to God and truly follow his lead? It really needs to start there. Will you surrender your marriage? Will you surrender yourself as a spouse to God and invite his leadership over you and your marriage? That's how I want to lead us right now, just to respond in prayer. So I want to just invite you to take a moment, take a deep breath, and just enter into a posture of prayer and just coming before God. And the first thing I I want you to just think about before God in prayer is God, help me be aware of the battle between the self and the spirit. My guess is some of you are in denial right now. And some of you are thinking too much about your spouse right now. I just want to invite you before God to let him examine you. And begin to point out, how much of life do you live for your own self-interest? That you are truly king of your life. And just ask God to show you and to point those things out. And you might be in a place where you're resistant and maybe just to even acknowledge your resistance right now before God. So do that for a moment. The second thing is how often our thoughts just go unchecked. And, you know, those moments, those conflicts, or whatever situation it could be, where your sinful nature just takes over and you let your thoughts just run wild. And to begin to just ask God, God, help me be mindful of my thoughts. Help me desire to take captive every thought and bring it under your authority and your rule. Just take a moment and ask God for that.
the last invitation I want to give you in prayer is to, to yield your marriage to God. To ask Him to bring you to that point of full surrender. Just acknowledging you are not in control. And God, I, I give you my marriage, I give you myself as a spouse. Would you lead me and teach me to follow you? last thing we're going to do together, I want to just invite you to look up here. We're going to celebrate communion together this morning, which we try to do on the first Sunday of every month. And I think it's very fitting related to the message we just heard. Our hope in this life and for our marriages has never rested in our own hands. But our hope rests in the strong and loving care of Jesus Christ. As we come to the communion table, we remember our deep need for Christ. Not just to forgive our sins, but to lead our lives. And I want to invite you as we take communion this morning to really think about who is King of my life right now? Who is in charge of your life right now? Is it you or is it Jesus Christ? And the good news is the communion table is a table of grace and hope. We recognize that we are needy and wayward, so often going our own way, leading our own lives. And because of our waywardness, there is a debt payment for our sin that we cannot pay on our own. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Christ was without blemish, without sin. But he bore our sin so that we could be made right in the eyes of a perfect God. We are accepted before God because of Christ's sacrifice. Such wondrous grace and mercy we have been shown. Yet Christ not only offers his forgiveness and his grace, but he offers his leadership and his counsel to you. When we take the bread and the cup, 
We remember Christ's sacrifice for us. And we also acknowledge that our lives now belong to Jesus Christ. And that's the invitation I want to give you this morning. As you take the bread and the cup, is to invite Christ once again to lead your life, to lead your family, to lead your marriage, to lead your career, to lead your future. He wants it all. He wants to lead you in everything. At your table, you have bread and grape juice. The bread symbolizes the body of Christ, which was broken for us. And the grape juice symbolizes symbolizes the blood of Christ, which was shed for us. I want to invite you to, to pass the bread around at the table and take and eat the bread, remembering what Christ has done for you. And if someone pour the grape juice and serve one another the cup and drink the cup, remembering the blood of Christ shed for you, And spend a few minutes thinking about Christ and inviting his leadership over your life. And then I'll come back up and close us in prayer. God, I can't imagine my life without you. I don't know where I would be without your leadership over me. And God, we thank you for just the great hope we have in the gospel that even though we will continue to rebel and go our own way, God, that you stand with open arms, ready to forgive and to welcome us home. Thank you for your persistent grace and mercy over us. And God, I pray for us as a church, God, that we would be men and women and young people and children are fully yielded and surrendered to you. God, that we would never escape our great need for you in our lives. That we would never think that we have it all together. We can make it on our own. Remind us time and time again how much we need you. And God, may our hearts not grow callous or hard when life gets difficult. But may those be the moments, God, where you show us yourself in a new way and invite us to follow you in full surrender, even when it's hard and it's difficult. God, I pray a blessing over every single marriage in this room. I pray amidst all the twists and turns that each marriage will face, God, that you would help us be mindful of the battle that rages between the self and the spirit of God. And that we would begin to let you rule more and more of our lives as spouses and as couples. God, I pray in this room that you would set apart marriages that are holy and pleasing to you because they're fully yielded into your hands. God, we need your help. But we thank you that you listen to us as we pray and seek you. So we pray this all together in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.